Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Bringing It to the Table podcast. On this episode, we're going to talk about um, FGM and its mental um, mental and psychological uh, side effects. So my name is Ragat. I'm a women's project assistant. I'm Karen, health and wellbeing specialist. My name is Caroline. I'm administrative and FGM project assistant. My name is Saida. I'm the project manager of FGM. Lovely. So before we proceed, as always, we would like to issue a trigger warning. Since there is no easy way to talk about FGM, although there is no attempt to shock you in this episode, you still may find some of the content difficult and may feel upset. So look after yourself, and if you need to take a break, please do so. Before we start um, talking about the mental side effects of FGM, where for our listeners who don't particularly know what it is, Uh, we're just going to give a brief definition. So FGM has been defined by the WHO as all procedures that involve the partial or total removal of the external gen- female genitalia or injury to the female genitalia organs for non-medical reasons. There are various types of FGM. Um, so there's type 1, also known as clitoridectomy, that involves the partial or total removal of the clitoris. Um, And then type 2, which is the total or partial removal of the clitoris and labia minora, or um, it might also involve the excision of the labia majora. And type 3, also known as infibulation, which is narrowing of the vaginal opening through the creation of a, co- a covering cell. And this may be in two ways. One is by cutting and repositioning the inner or the outer, lab- outer labia, Well, with or, the, with or without the removal of the clitoris. And the second part, and the second um, part would be the sewing of the labia minora. The other part, the other type of FGM is type 4, which involved, which includes all other harmful procedures to the female genitalia. And this may include pricking, piercing, incising, scraping, and cauterizing of the female genital area. All right, so um, since the definition clearly says that there are no um, medical benefits, um, so it leads us to believe that it doesn't really provide anything that can improve the well-being of someone that gets cut. So this leads us to discuss why FGM takes place. Where does the practice start? Um, So we always hear that uh, people use religion as a basis for the reason to uh, perform FGM, saying that um, that it's a religious requirement. Does anyone have any thoughts about that? Yes, um, so some people use um, Islam as a basis to conduct um, FGM. They say that um, it's present in some hadith of, of Prophet Muhammad. Mm-hmm. But then there's a lot of controversy. There's no authentic... That, that, That um, allegation has not been authenticated. Some people say it's not true. Some Muslims say it's not true that they were specifically say that FGM should be performed. Yeah. But then those that practice use that to as a basis of uh, taking 
undertaking the practice? Um, I got to say one thing about the religion part because um, it's not just Islam or Muslim people who mm. goes under um, FGM. There's all different type of religion and different beliefs. Yeah. And everybody has their own different beliefs on FGM. So it's not just one particular religion that does um, FGM. Is everybody does it? I know Christians or different, you know, cultures and different countries who perform FGM. Yeah. Um. I think there are other names to it. Some people call it female circumcision. Because mm -hmm. I used to hear of the word circumcision, female circumcision, but I didn't really know details of it until I started working with Saida. And then I had to like watch videos on it. And it really creeps me out. Yeah. The procedure and everything <laughs> they do, the way they do it, it's so crude. Like it's. It's very disturbing when you read it about yeah, it. Yeah. Like, how do you subject a little child to that procedure? For what reason? People just have different names for it anyway. Nothing is worth it. No. Like, uh, it's not worth, what, like, the trauma mm -hmm. that you get from it. Like, it's no cultural or religious belief is worth feeling like that. Religion is um, not supposed to be something that's hard. Yeah. And um, as Saida just said, many religions... Um, uh, in a way, claim that their religion commands FGM when in fact no religious scripture ever um, instructs anyone to um, to perform it. So um, there's the religious aspect which people use, mm -hmm. but it's morely it's mostly embedded in culture. Yeah. Yes. Does anyone have any thoughts about that? Yeah. Yes. Sorry, Karen. Um. So. Some people use um, cultural beliefs as a basis to perform FGM. And one of the reasons they give is um, because it's viewed as a means to uh, transition young children from childhood to adulthood. Mm -hmm. So it feels, so it makes it, they use it as a preparation for transitioning them to adulthood. So they think, so they say they have to undergo it and they have to be taught the ways of the culture and undergo the cuts for them to transition into yeah. adulthood. And I think that um, viewing gaining entry into women's societies, that has a lot of implication, since if you don't get it done, then you're going to be viewed as an outcast. Yeah. And everyone likes to be included in their culture. It's the way, it's the normal way. So um, if you don't want to subject your daughters to it, then you might be shunned. You might be assaulted. You might be harassed by the community. You might be viewed um, as someone that's an, that's more of an outsider. And I feel like that also uh, pressures people to do it, even those who still question the practice. Yeah. No benefit that comes with no. FGM. So it's just like... There's, sorry to cut you off, um, Karen. It's not benefit for the woman, but it's benefit for the family. So it's in a health, the girl's health is not beneficial at all. No. But in the culture itself, there's a benefit there because she will get married and she's clean mm -hmm. and she's beautiful. That's the most of yeah. them, what they believe. But if they haven't gone through it, you, you're counted as you're, you're dirty and you're not beautiful and that you will never get married. And um, as far as I know, the people that I've worked with, mm -hmm. they intend to get fears of being killed and you know, um, get bullied and harassed with their family because in their culture is very wrong. Like, you shouldn't 
you know, shouldn't do this. Like you've got to have, you know, FGM or your girls in the house needs to go under FGM. So, yeah, every everybody in that culture, everybody has the same um, set of mind. I don't know if I'm saying it correctly. Yeah. Mindset, that's it. So they have that. That is part of beauty for a woman in their culture. Well, personally, I really don't see the use of involving in a culture that doesn't benefit your child. Yeah, yeah. The more, um, I feel like, of course, that's true. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you don't, um, why would you be a part of a community that wants that? But um, what Saida was saying, I feel, is that um, it's very attached to honor and it brings honor and respect to your family in these cultures. So the um, thing is, when, when, when a tradition is thousands of years old and it's ingrained into your head from, from when you're a child that you need to get this done and your daughters need to get this done and their daughters will get this done. So it's very hard for people to change something that they so wholeheartedly believe. It's like when when you're raised with a specific set of morals and they're embedded into like into you from such a young age, it's more of a shock when you know that, oh, this I didn't know this was wrong. I didn't know we shouldn't do this. I thought this was the normal way to get it done. But that's why, that's why, you know, things are improving and not many people have the same views anymore. So that's insightful, I feel. Yeah, I, I, I sort of understand what you're saying, but I just can't put myself in that situation. Like, yeah, no way. It's just sad. And more of it is um, education. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, they're not educated. Um, they don't know um, what FGM, they don't know the side effects. So um, because, as um, Rahad says, it's something that they grew up with. You know, it's something that they've always known. You know, mm -hmm. they've never heard of somebody not having FGM or going through it. It's something that is in their head and their kids, their kids' kids will have the same thing. So, and that is, you know, as I said, it's not education. So when you bring in education and teach them these things, some of them would say, like, no, you're wrong. But yeah. some of them, when... They will say yes, as um, we watched a video. Yes. I don't know, that, is that on Sudan? I'm not sure where it was. Mm. But, you know, this old lady, she's been doing it all her life. But now she got to find out it's wrong. And, like, she was, like, asking God to forgive because, and she will never do it again. Now she has to find another job to do because that mm -hmm. was her main job, you know, to do FGM in her village. So a lot of it has got to do with education. Yeah. Um, yes. Education is good in like breaking cultural expectations. I think it allows people to see that there are other options for them. So like by educating women and telling them that this is not a procedure that they should like they shouldn't have to do the procedure. I think it gives them more opportunities to find like other sorts of like how to like get away from that environment and like look for <clears throat> other things. Yeah, definitely. Also, I saw so many stories of girls who. Uh, they get cut when they're young and then they move to a different country and then they realize at school that not every girl has this. And it's a shock to them. They're like, oh, this isn't the normal. So even as a child, you think it's normal. You think that that's the way it is. So you're not able to differentiate that what, that what was done to you is wrong. So I feel like that also has, um, it's very, there are so many viewpoints on it. There's also 
which I believe, in my opinion, I don't know if you guys agree with me, that is the main reason for FGM. It's to ensure marital and um, infidelity. Like it's like preserving virginity, making sure that you don't do anything sexual until you're married. So does anyone have any thoughts about that? I, I don't I don't know if my view is um, like the normal, but I feel like if you want to have sexual activity, FGM or not, you're going to have sexual activity, mm -hmm. right? Because you're getting married and you're going to be sexually active. Yes. So even if you have it before, if someone is like promiscuous, which I feel that that's what they're trying to avoid, it doesn't really stop the person from involving in sexual activity. But if it were type 3 infibulation, you can't really do anything because you're sewn up. Yeah. So that is like putting so much constraint on someone's sexuality like that. Um, it's which 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 is why I think that the practice is very patriarchal in nature. Like it's a, a way to control women <clears throat> and make sure that um, that oh, when you marry her, she's clean and pure. She hasn't done anything, and you one you're one hundred percent sure that she hasn't done anything. So that's why I feel like um, and and. That's why I feel like it is done, basically. Like, just to preserve and to make sure that these girls aren't doing anything. So it's more of a cultural control over women. Yeah, I do I do I think, agree with that. Yeah, I definitely agree because it is the patriarchy, in a mm -hmm. sense, because it's the women that are going through FGM and then being checked and then being told to, you know, stay pure, stay, like, um, you know, not sexually active, yeah. but then at the same time, it's the men that's not being like controlled. Like this is yes. all for them in a sense that you're gonna have a beautiful, like um, pure wife, but then the actions of the men unchecked themselves, like all this pressure is like down to the women and like it has been for like decades. So I think it's really yeah. important that this like whole concept is like starting to, like people are starting to be like educated and like aware of like what they can do, like if they yeah. were in the situation. Yeah. I mean, even in Western countries, a few centuries ago, they used to um, do FGM as a way to cure lesbianism. That's what that's literally what it said in one quote. It's like it's for like a cure or to like um, prevent masturbation, which they think is something like if a woman does that, she's crazy. So they also would do it for these reasons. Does anyone have any thoughts or um, anything they want to add? With the type three, a lot of um, a lot of like countries who does FGM, who performs FGM, a lot of them after, I think when they're 15, when they hit puberty, they have to have um, type three. Mm -hmm. that, that is when they're waiting for their husband. And then when the husband comes, like when they get married, they will, you know, unstitch it basically. Yeah. And then, you know, they'll go into marriage. Let's say if the husband needs to travel out, they will have to, even the adults, the wife will have to be stitched again while okay. the husband is away for, I don't know, a month or two. So um, it's a, I just, I can't get it out. Like, I don't know how to explain because it's like, to me, I find it's very crazy. I can't, mm. I can't imagine myself being in their position because I think I will literally go mad or mental because oh. of the pain and agony. You know, the way they explain it, like the woman that I <clears> work <throat> with, you know, I, I tend to like shake just yeah. to think about the pain. And then they have to be in bed for a month or two, not walking, not going to the toilet, not eating. 
you know, just because a man needs to go for work for a month that you don't even know what he'll be up to. Like, for you, you're being like locked up in every way and the man is somewhere else doing something else that you don't know. I find it, like, it's very unfair. Yeah. yeah. I think it's, it's not only controlling, but as you said, like, at 15, like, imagine the girls who have to, like, who have had stories of, like, either family or friends mm-hmm. who, when they turn 15 and then, like, you know, you should enjoy, like, your birthdays or, like, looking forward to, like, aging yeah. in a sense. Yeah. But you have that thing at 15 and, like, you can't really avoid it or, like, there's no exactly. really escape because everyone around you has done it. Yeah. Um, I once read someone called what you just said about being reopened again, um, the three sorrows of womanhood. So this woman said that um, the first one is when you get cut the second is on your wedding night, and the third is when you give birth. And it's so sad to think that as a woman, these things that are supposed to be so natural are described, we, we view them as sorrows, and they're not supposed to be traumatic experiences. So that very negatively um, impacts um, the essence of womanhood, I feel. I think it also kind of, maybe not objectifies, but it kind of just says like, these are your three objectives and they're going to happen, like, over time. And, like, it mm-hmm. kind of just, like, says, like, that's your role as a woman. Like, you're going to be doing this. You're going to give children. You're going to get married. And, like, that's your role essentially done. Like, it really, like, yeah. I don't know, it minimizes, like, women's, yeah. like, role in society. And, like, I don't know, it just keeps that whole, like, patriarchy going and, like, yeah. I would go mad because this literally takes every sense of control that a woman has ever. Yeah. You can't control anything at this point. And I feel like that's unbearable. Yeah. So um, there's also um, the fact that the equipment used is never sanitized. It's mostly razor blades that have already been used on other girls. So that very um, increases the risk of, in, um, sorry, infections. And I feel like there was... Um, the World Health Organization reported that trauma often results from survivors whose physical complications are ignored. It's like what you just went through is one thing, but then the fact that you also got worse complications that's totally ignored, I feel like that would really mess someone up mentally. Mm, definitely. Yeah, I can't. It's like I was just saying to see how I did not mentally prepare myself for this topic because even talking about it kind of just makes me feel sad. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I don't understand how you sew someone up because you don't want them to have sexual intercourse. And then on their wedding nights, you unsew them. And then when they want to give birth, some, some of the time they lose their life due to excessive bleeding. Mm. Yes. Because so many procedures have been done on them. And... To think that is actually um, not a very necessary, like you said, for medical reasons. Mm-hmm. And then someone just has to go through this series of pain. It's so unbearable. Yeah. I think it also just like reflects like what they think of women, in a sense. Because yeah. if you're telling a woman to get FGM and like you're saying that you have to do it like in order to get married or like all of these like cultural expectations, but then for you to force these like forces on a woman. But not even give them like 
like there's no like benefit medically like you're Nothing. not even cleaning the supplies like you yeah. don't know if like you've cleaned it between the two people like yeah. if there's infections like by you doing that to a woman you could literally kill her in front of you like on the table like wherever you're like operating like um this fgm so on that i got to say um the ladies and i keep going back to my ladies i love my ladies <laughs> um yeah. they have seen when they did this they have seen um basically how they explained it to me, let me tell you the whole story now, is in a house. So the lady who performs FGM, she has her own house and that is like a big massive wood thing that they have to kind of lean on, on put their back and then these other ladies will be holding them. So there will be a lot of girls. So it's not just one person mm -hmm. at a time or one girl at a time. There'll be like four, seven girls. At, you know, she would do one by one. So just... I can't imagine myself in that room like the screen. So yeah. one of these mm. ladies have seen some girls who have bled to death. Yeah. Like um, it's, it's a very sad situation. Like, you know, I could have died. That could mm -hmm. have been me. And at the same time, somehow when they reach a certain age, they'll have to do, they have to go through the same process again. Mm -hmm. I think it like, if you think about it as well, like, most of the time it's like parents that are like enforcing these cultural traditions on their children. But imagine your parent then taking you to this house, for example, like a house full of women for you to potentially die just so that your family is not in like shameful in a sense. Right. Like, why is it fair that you're, got, you're literally sacrificing your daughter and like you don't know if she's gonna live or not or like health complications or like, Right now, we've only spoken about, like, the physical aspects, not really the mental. And, like, mm -hmm. you don't know mentally, like, what your daughter or your child is going through. And, like, I think culture shouldn't be prioritised over, you know, your actual children and, like, their well-being yeah. into this life. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. But that's where we go back to education. Yeah. Yes. So it's all about awareness and education yeah. to teach them. So because to them, that is fine. They know that their child could die. It's okay with them. Like... To them, it wasn't meant to be. She, her days reached, so she's gonna die. So they don't, they don't like, you know, they're not gonna be sad like, oh, we've done this, we've, you know, because of us. That's why our daughter died. No, it's just like a normal thing. She just died. So um, that is just part of their life. It's part of their culture. They don't see it the way we see it. I think that's where the issue of social pressure. From mm -hmm. the community of the SP or the yeah. fear of stigmatization comes in because you know it's unimaginable to think that our parents would let their kid go through that but they still do it and you wonder why but i guess maybe that's where the explanation of that it's because they've been they are forced to do it they have to do yeah. it that's their culture and if they don't do it they'll be stigmatized they'll be ostracized so i believe that that's why it's very important to um, raise awareness yeah. to those communities. And I feel like as a girl in that room where you see other girls bleed to death and you start to think, is my life worth this little? Like, is this worth it for me to bleed to death so that you guys can have honor in your community? It just... And I feel like this is... Yeah. Sorry. I, I've seen videos where they, they celebrate after that. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say yeah. that they do like a celebration. It's like a wedding, so they'll make a big, big celebration. Yeah. But what you just said about the girl thinking that she's just... Yeah. Yeah. A lot of them is normal to yeah. go through that. Even so, 
most of them don't get told like today we're going to have this. Yeah, no, they'll be like, oh, today we're going to have a celebration. We're going to yeah. do this. Mm-hmm. We're going to do this. It's basically like kind of bribing them with the celebration. Yeah. And then the procedure will happen. So it happens so quickly. So they wouldn't yeah. even know. And then after that, obviously, they'll speak to other girls. And the girls will, oh, we went through it. Is this, is that. So it's a kind of normal thing. So yeah. we're always going to go back to education yes. and awareness. So, yeah. I feel like that amplifies the issue of um, the traumatic experience that they undergo. Because if you're, if they're told, if at the initial stage they're told, we'll have this big celebration. So I'm sure they'd be anticipating something good happening. But then they rea- they get they go through this traumatic process. Yeah. I believe that can be so shocking and, I don't know, traumatizing for them. Yeah, and so. this is a very good segue to um, the main part of this episode is how it affects these girls mentally, the psychological damage that stems from this practice. So um, there are short-term mental effects of FGM. So I think it's very logical to say that um, shock and sadness would be, you would think of that because the shock that this is happening and you don't think like this is this would happen and with um with what Sada just said about like you're blindsided and it happens in a room and then there's celebration you're shocked you're like this yeah. is what you guys are how celebrating do you, how do you mentally prepare yourself for a situation like that like, yeah I you can't you can mm. i feel like it's a sense of betrayal yeah. yeah that you feel towards your family members and so the group ritual thing happens but there's also another method that gets done a lot which is they take them to the secluded hut they get it's somewhere in the bushes and they're taken by a family member that's like hey let's go here they don't know what's going on so it creates this false sense of security someone you're supposed to to feel safe with and then you're you just get hurt like that so what is a child supposed to think when that happens and it's just the shock of that happening i feel is the part that um that's very very damaging mentally does anyone have any thoughts about yeah, that it does um affect mm-hmm. them like all their life um <clears throat> there was a lady that i interviewed with the fgm she doesn't remember her first fgm because she was a newborn baby mm-hmm. so that they can do it like i couldn't even imagine like yeah. you know that baby could just die like within seconds like they're yeah. so young but they have to check it so like they will what they said i think when they're around seven they had mm. a type two and they had to pull the clitoris yeah the clitoris like massage it and pull it and pull it and pull it for it to kind of grow yeah yeah, yeah. and then they'll cut it off again because because the clitoris is an organ that's um also on the inside it's not visible so they want to make sure that they have all of it so this, they'll cut it again. Yeah, that's why. So, well, now she's an adult anyways, and she couldn't speak. Like, she just, like, she couldn't talk about mm. it. Like, she, like, it affects her so much that words couldn't come out of her mouth. She yeah. was literally shaking and crying. Like, she couldn't go back and see, like, what happened to her. She couldn't talk about it at all. And most of these lady. As much as they do this FGM so they can get married, but they mm. actually hate to stay yeah. with their husband. Yeah. They hate it. And, you know, they're like, I don't like my husband to mm. be around because I can't give him what he wants. Yeah. And if I do, I'm in so much agony. Like, I'll be in so much pain. Like, you know, now it's so difficult for them. I'm like, 
you know, your family put you through this so you can have a husband, yeah. you know, have a family. But now you have it, you can't enjoy it. You and can't. the husband doesn't enjoy you. Like, the husband doesn't like what, you know, what he's getting, like, yeah. because the woman is always saying, I'm in pain, I can't do this, I can't do that. So I don't see any point of FGM. None. No one is. No one's happy in that situation. Like, you, you did this for your daughter so that she can have a good marriage, but she can't even stand to be around her husband. It's, yeah. you, get, you get nothing out of it but trauma. I was yeah. also going to add to the point you mentioned about shock. Mm-hmm. And then imagine, like you said, a little girl who thinks that's normal and then goes to school and notice that, oh, I'm different. Mm-hmm. Why is my clitoris like this? Like, what happened to me? Yeah. A part of me is missing. Yeah. How do you even explain it's that? A cr- it's literally an identity crisis. Yeah. And it is, it's, it's very shocking. It's very hard, not just for the little kids. I had a lady saying to me that when they were traveling to come to England, she kind of got bullied because she got cut. So mm-hmm. they were saying cut, like, oh, don't talk to me because you're cut. Like, we are not cut. And, and these were adults. You know, they were not like young kids, little girls. And, you know, she felt so isolated, like she didn't want to get, you know, she didn't have anybody to talk to and she was a asylum seeker. So it was very hard and difficult for her. So, you know, it's not just for the little, you know, girls. It's even affecting adults. I think when when talking about FGM or... Thing. So um, earlier, someone stated that, like, let's say you went into school and you you don't know how to, like, really speak to people about it or, like, you know, you're feeling isolated. But I think this this FGM itself, like, speaking about, like, let's say you being cut publicly in many cultures, the same cultures that, like, emphasise that you have, like, you, you should have FGM done are the same cultures that when you talk about, you know, your body or, like, you know, sexual things, it's a taboo and, like, you're not really allowed to discuss it. So it kind of, like, further isolates women and traps them because it's, like, you've got this treatment done, you've got FGM done, but, like, you can't talk about other people... Like, you can't discuss it with other people Mm -hmm. because, like, you know, no, like, women shouldn't really be talking about, like, that kind of things. That makes sense. So I feel like they're just in, like, really isolated. Yeah. Yeah. In addition to that... um, women are not allowed to talk about a lot of things, including sexual health. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a topic of its own. People from this cultural back, from this background, this, this, it's a taboo for them to even talk about health. Right. Yeah. Sexual health. Like, I mean, health is a priority. Even yes. though you, you say, no, do not talk to your mates about sex and so you don't involve in sex, at, mm-hmm. like, in an early age ball. You don't also talk about sexual health. You don't know what is right, what is wrong. If someone has got an infection, That's you can't disastrous. talk. That's disastrous. I know you can't talk about these things. So it's just, uh, and we really need a lot of awareness, sexual awareness, um, female circumcision awareness. Just you know to educate people to let them know that this is really wrong, and it shouldn't yeah. be done at all. I think another issue that would make the women or the children to feel isolated is the the feeling of shame because they've been subjected to this thing that everyone is calling harmful. 
and they've noticed that they're different, that not everyone has undergone the practice. So they feel shame, the shame to even speak about it. So then that makes them isolated. They don't want to yeah. associate with other people because they'll probably call them out and say, you're cut and, and I'm not cut and it's not a good thing and to yeah. be cut. That's the way it's in. Like, that's the way it's in. You're cut and I'm not cut. Mm-hmm. It's so weird. Like, imagine people who didn't get cut and then you can't really talk to them about that at all. And then you go home to your family and then to them it's such a taboo subject you have to like never even bring it up again. So what are you supposed to do? Yeah. You don't belong anywhere. And like in a little girl's head, she's like, oh, wh- where do I go? Like, how am I supposed to deal with this? I think it also links with, because when you think of FGM, you just think of like it's a physical um, treatment and like you think of like the physical change to mm-hmm. women's body, but there's not much there's less of an emphasis on like the mental aspect, like yeah. how much it impacts you, because again, you're isolated, you're going through this alone. And like, I don't know, I think support in terms of like mental health and like should be, yeah, for like survivors of like FGM and like people that are put in situations where they might have to get FGM or like what they can do to kind of stop that. Yeah, this is very beneficial when it comes to the long-term mental effects. Yeah, mm. it's a very, it's a very, um traumatic yeah. experience because whatever you feel after sort of multiplies and as more oh. time passes um you you start having um mental health effects that are not that, that are that for me that's worse than the physical aspect of it how you feel how like the thoughts that a girl would have after and um the, I feel like the most common thing you can get after something like that sent to you is PTSD. Yeah. Yes. So um, that in itself leads to even worse uh, consequences. Anyone has any thoughts about that? Um, well, that's why people who have undergone the procedure, they sort of avoid the conversation. They don't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. They isolate themselves. And then they're just like depressed or... Yeah, they don't want to get triggered from yeah, what yeah, they went from, through before. Yeah, they don't want to talk about it. And it's really good that Saida is offering this help she she gives to those ladies because it then makes them come out of their shell. Like, yeah. then they feel free to talk about it. It's very difficult, like, to get them to talk. Mm-hmm. It's very, very difficult. Like, I was there once with Caroline, um... It was very difficult, but as with these women, I feel like for anybody who has gone through under FGM, the first thing that you need to build with them is trust because they're very, very, very isolated people. They're very depressed and they don't want to talk about what happened because, as I say to you, it's a horrible experience that I can't imagine myself going through it. Yeah. And... um, so it's quite difficult to bring that topic up and ask them questions about it. Because if you don't have that connection of sisterhood, you wouldn't be able to talk. You know, they wouldn't have that trust to, to open up to you. So um, I would say definitely trust is, is one of the biggest things to talk with somebody who has gone um, under FGM. Yeah, and if you think about it, they would really need it because... If that happens to you, you have a lot of trauma, right? So because you can't talk about it, technically, you just grab it, you lock it in a box, and you push it to the back of your brain. You don't discuss it with anyone, and then that's it. But then there are so many things that can trigger 
the unresolved trauma yeah. to come back and make like your life worse. So that's why it's very important to get the to heal mentally because then it's gonna hit you again. Like it's not gonna it's just, it's gonna come back no matter how much you try to bury what happened. It's always gonna come back in like in a woman's brain. I think um, one of the things that um, survivors may be um, exposed to is avoidant coping because of the mm. the stress that maybe may come from thinking about the, the traumatic experience that they had. They may start deal may start dealing with that stress using other outlets like they may start abusing drugs. They may yes. just yeah. just finding an outlet to just cope. Because they're not able to, when they're not able to address the trauma that they experience. A lot of them, they're not allowed to use drugs in their cultures or whatever they're from. They don't, you know, to them is something that they have to go through. And yeah. um, they don't believe in depression. It's, it's not something that happens into their, in, in their countries or their culture. It's not something like where I come from, going to a therapy, that's one of the crazy things. Why would you go and sit down with somebody that you can just talk to? So that's why I come like, back with, yeah. with um, yeah. sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, if you were to go to a ther like, therapist, like the whole, the main thing about, like, some of these cultures is that it's very, like, private and, like, you shouldn't be going to, you know, external people to speak about issues that are going on in the family. Yeah. And, like, mm -hmm. it should be discussed just there. Yeah, and that's it. She should be left at home. So a lot of them don't believe in this depression, anxiety. You just got to get up and get on with it. So that's why I go back again with these ladies because they're here. And um, I build a trust with them. <clears throat> and it's, as I say to you, it's very difficult. You might ask them like to talk about it because I do want to help them mentally because it's already been done. There's nothing that I can do to stop that. Yeah. But for me to be there to help them in what they need, like, you know, even just donation things that I give out to them, that is part of my me giving them the trust for them, for me to go in and be able to help them in mentally. Because to be honest with you, the ladies that I have spoken to, they're literally messed up mm -hmm. in, in the head. And is I've met some of them with their husbands, even the husband is messed up. You know, and they don't want to talk about it. If you mention the word FGM, they'll be like, I'm sorry, but we don't we, we don't want to talk about it. Yeah. You can see it on their face and their I expression. Think, I think you can you can still help people without them opening up about this. So let's say that if I went through FGM, I would I'd rather like feel comfortable speaking to someone and then like over time like slowly speak about my story. Because yeah, I feel like you spend so many years, like let's say you get it done at 15 and like what you're 40 now. You spent so many years in your life like trying to push it back or like, you know, trying to forget it yeah. that you don't want to relive it again. <laughs> so I think it takes time and like, you know, building support and like, you know, a trustful like environment around yeah. you to make you feel like comfortable. Yeah. Okay. Um, talking about relieving the experiences, I was just thinking in my head, imagine going through the, this procedure and then you have a daughter and then you watch mm -hmm. her go through that procedure. Yeah. yeah. Like it's really psychologically draining. Even thinking about it, you know, just... For a woman. Yeah, for a woman. Knowing that your daughter, yeah. yeah. But they don't mind, but the ladies here, they don't They don't want, they don't even want their kids to go under FGM. Yeah, oh, that's a good thing, because imagine, I was going to say, like, you, you know the pain you went through, and then you subject your child 
to the same pain. Yeah. How do you live with that? Again, oh, I think so it's sad. I think it's education because um, I'm Somali. A lot of people in my culture have had FGM, and I know family members that have had it done. But I think from them being educated and like you know, there's been such a big like in, in the UK especially to like support women that you know were at risk of like having FGM. I think it's important that again education like has taught people to not pass it down to their family anymore. So like, I'm really grateful that I haven't had to go through it, but because I know that my family have been educated and like they know that there's no health benefits or there's nothing really beneficial from this apart from like a life of pain. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I just wanted to explain the point that I mentioned about the, some of them being exposed to um, substance abuse. I know that in some cultures it's a taboo you can't, be abusing stuff in those cultures because that's how conservative they are. But um, what I read a point, uh, I mean, a, a study by um, a researcher who said that uh, he did a study, an interview with migrants, and that's where that those that um, statistics came from. Like some of them are exposed to substance abuse because they're not in their culture, they're in a different country which has a different culture. So there's a high possibility that they may be exposed to substance abuse. Yeah. I think it's also like if you do, if you are a migrant and then you're going somewhere else, it's like you don't have that culture around you anymore. Like as sad as it is, like what's the point? Like why do I still have to keep on trying? Like I've already been through a lot and like the situation I'm in right now is not really like one that's great. So I think maybe that's why people turn to drugs and like, whereas like I feel like if it's not allowed in your culture and you're around like people from the same culture, it would be more difficult for you to fall into that because again, you're gonna keep on trying to maintain those like um, traditions. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, I feel like anxiety and depression, the fact that they're very common long-term side effects and that they're not, um, and as Saida said before, that so many of them don't believe in depression or anxiety. They don't believe that there are these mental, crippling mental diseases technically. Does anyone have anything to say about that? Anxiety and depression. <laughs> um, talking about anxiety, like I mentioned earlier, imagine a, a lady who's gone through mm -hmm. FGM and then you have a daughter. Yeah. I feel like it's going to be constant anxiety for her because yeah. if you don't subject that child to FGM, you thinking about things that you know that could come at you from the cultural beliefs mm -hmm. and then if you do you're also thinking about your child yeah and the pain they will go through so it's just like constant anxiety for that person and i read and stories online where sorry to cut you off but um a girl her mom wouldn't want her to get it done but then the elders of the family would just take yes. her and get it done. Yeah, that's another thing. Yeah. Really, yeah. you can just take the child to have it done because it's culture. Usually, yeah. there is the auntie or the grandmother yeah. who does mm -hmm. it. Yeah, it's not the mum. The mum never goes. The mum just goes for the celebration. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I feel like no mother can take it, no matter if even if she believes that it's the right thing yeah. to do, no mother can just watch that. And that's, that's yeah. actually very depressing, you know. Yeah. Uh, I think we can, um, since we discussed all the mental health side effects, we can talk about how we improve the mental well-being of FGM survivors. So um, does anyone have any thoughts about uh, ways to to help these women overcome what they, what they just 
what they could do. I think Karen would be great at this because she's the mental health. Yes. <laughs> um, it's basically um, educating these women, you know, to let them know the side effects and let them know that um, FGM is not like something that should be held of high esteem mm -hmm. because no it's not a requirement for women to go through it and it's not um, a procedure that gives you value. It mm -hmm. actually devalues you, you know. Um, so more education and then um, they also need to educate women on the taboos that surround the practice, like counter those thoughts to let them know that, for example, um, if someone tells you that, oh, if you don't do this procedure, you're not going to be valuable or you're not going to be, yeah. you're not going to have a husband, for example. So um, I feel like there are other ways for you to counter these thoughts. Like, mm -hmm. this is not who I am and this does not make me having a procedure done does not make me valuable or not. Yes. It's just my own perspective of life that really matters, you know. And I feel like um, give uh, you need these women need to be given the opportunity, sorry, to speak on their trauma because it's one thing to be traumatized from this and then there's another for your, um, for your well-being to be completely ignored. So I feel like the, the valid, like, I feel like someone needs, like to me, it just seems beneficial for a woman who's so traumatized and for someone to look at her and be like, you know, what happened to you is not okay. You should feel this way because, I mean, having, being literally psychologically damaged because of this and then being told that it's fine and normal, but all you can remember is your pain, that really also messes someone up. So just, just the acknowledgement of someone's pain and saying that what happened to you is not okay and you should be angry, you should be frustrated, you 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 need to take the time to feel what you feel. Yeah, so um, there was a meeting we were talking about how to really create this awareness and tackle FGM. Mm -hmm. And um, things like that, you were in that meeting, I suggested that it's going back to the roots where it began and have um, this education given out to people. But um, the point that I was getting from there was these people said they would um, abandon the practices on the condition that they get something that still helps them keep that value of the culture. So, for example, if you say do not cut women, mm -hmm. then give us an alternative that will make a, women, a, a woman decent. I have one. Do a period celebration. I know, Maybe. Right? Like, there are other things that, because, because when people view FGM as a transition into womanhood, yeah. There is literally another transition to womanhood that we have, that we go through, and it's it's getting your period. So maybe because obviously cultures, every culture values like different things. Mm -hmm. So for some cultures, it's very important to have something that, that you celebrate when you turn to a woman. And it does not have to be FGM. It doesn't have to be yeah. something painful. They can use getting your period, which is something natural. Yeah. So, and, and doesn't cause deaths in a way, like it doesn't doesn't harmfully affect generations. So there are many other things that can be used as as an alternative. You don't have to change your whole culture, just like people should be um, brave enough to challenge cultural um, practices that are viewed as the norm 
but are actually harmful? I think it's very important while challenging the practice of FGM or dealing with survivors to be culturally sensitive Mm -hmm. because you can't tell someone you're doing child abuse. This is a barbaric thing. That's very uncalled for because there's no way you'd expect uh, using that approach to change someone's uh, view of what they've been thinking. I mean, they've held these traditions for generations to generations. So I feel like it's supposed to be very compassionate, very respectful and create that dialogue But at the same time, if that doesn't work, then you can't just um, you can just because it's there are people to this day who call themselves FGM activists that want FGM to because it's banned in most countries legally it's yeah. illegal they wanted it to be legalized again and I feel like when it comes to that point where okay we will use compassion we will of course be culturally sensitive we're not the attacking the culture mm. the argument for I read about it was that um the argument for FGM was that if in Western countries you can have like cosmetic surgeries and like you can do different things to your body, then why can't we do that? But I think a clear difference is that let's say if you get plastic surgery, like your choice. you that's a doctor yeah, who has been trained, who knows what like they're doing and like what they're gonna do and like majority of the time that you will not leave with like an implication or something that will impact you yeah. for the rest of your life. Whereas like if you go through FGM that is something that you you struggle to you know live your life, have sex. You have like mental complications and like yeah. it's like a list of things. And like I think what you in terms of like what you were saying earlier, I feel like you can't have an outsider come into someone's culture and be like, yeah. you're wrong. You can't do it because like you know colonization and like ha- having like you know different people come into your country and tell you yeah. what to do. Like people don't agree or like do that. I think you have to be sensitive and like slowly like you know, teach people, like, go into certain places where it's, like, yeah. really common and be like, okay, right, this is what you're doing, but, like, do you know why it's done? Like, where does this tradition, like, link back to? And, like, you know, try to break down all of those which things around because, FGM. Which is good because so many activists are part of the community who had this done to them, so they know, they understand. Like, no one can come up to um, to an FGM activist who've had this done to her and be like, oh, you don't understand. No, she does understand. She does know the culture. She's very culturally aware. Yeah. So that's why the the women who make the most impact are ones who've had it done on them and who are yeah. from that culture. So, yeah. But I feel like going back to, of course, uh, there should be compassion and there should be culturally sensitive. But at some point, there are so many women who have a platform who advocate for FGM, not against it. And I feel like... There's a difference between being nice and then allowing her to influence other people, which in turn damages even more girls. Um, just to comment on that point, I know that the reason why the proponents of, I mean, the people that are against FGM want it to be abandoned is because mm-hmm. of the traumatic experience and the crude nature of how the practice is done that makes them want it to be abandoned. But then the proponents of FGM, the ones who want it to still continue, yes. usually argue that if if the crudeness of the practice is what you're against, then we can always medicalize it. Let the mm-hmm. girls go to the hospital, let them um, have those medical uh, anesthesia or whatever, they just to die. take care of them. How, how it happens and they still die. Yeah, It happens a lot. They take them to medical professionals. And they still bleed out and die. But you're, you're, okay, think about it now. Like, you're you're then using, you know, a doctor or, like, someone that spent their life, like, training to become a doctor for them, for you to, like, impose, like, a new, um, you know, 
mm-hmm. treatment called FGM and be like, okay, because our culture says this and like we want our daughters to be safe and like get married and like, you know, our families to look great. Why would you then like go to someone that is there to treat you and make sure you're healthy and like, exactly. you know, and be like, you need to do this in order to like kind of fit in, but there's no benefit yeah. to it. It's like the opposite of being yeah. a doctor. You do harm, you don't do good. Like it doesn't matter because so many girls still bleed out and die. And even when you get it done at a like um, like at a professional medical environment, after it's done and you technically the scars heal, you're still gonna get infections. You're still gonna struggle sexually. It doesn't take away the the pain. Like it's not just about oh there's more risk of dying and that the the equipment is not sanitized. You still these girls will still get infections. They will still um, struggle on their periods. They will still struggle during childbirth. They will still struggle when they have sex. So it's all, it's the same consequences. I think most of the times um, uh, when when you say that, I, I agree completely that there's no medically mm-hmm. proven reason for undergoing FGM. Yeah. But then most of the arguments or the people who still are for FGM to continue are say that, you know, you earlier mentioned about FGCs, cosmetic surgeries, where a doctor performs FGCs. So they say there's nuances between FGM and FGC. So and if women are allowed to do to make that choice to have undergo those cosmetic surgeries, then why shouldn't women be allowed to do FGM? I'm not saying I'm a, a supporter of FGM. I'm just saying that there's similarities. But then yeah. it looks like um, FGM is banned, but this process. But this other procedure is not banned. And then the reason why FGM is banned is because it, it's associated with people from ethnic minority groups. So that looks like it's as if um, people from ethnic minority groups are being discriminated against, yeah, as if they don't have autonomy mm-hmm. to make their own choices. Exactly. So I think that, that appro- it, there's a lot of complexities towards this yeah. because the approach that people... Uh, um, the, the approach taken when addressing FGM yeah. is condemnate people are condemned about about it but then there is like um i don't know it's discriminatory how fgm and fgc is, is approached because mm-hmm. people should make those choices but then how do you then make sure that those choices do not affect the well-being yes. of the women and yeah the that's what i was yeah. saying that how about you make it voluntary thing is it's not as if i'm mm-hmm. a support of this yeah. procedure but how about people choose at that age if they want to do it or not? Because subjecting people to it forcefully is is not nice. Yeah, I, I saw once so disturbing, and I can't even believe it's real. There's this woman, I forgot which country, honestly. She's 26 years old, and she was never cut. She wanted to get cut, so she went to a town square in front of everyone and got it filmed. Hmm? What? Yep. And when I saw that, I was like, God damn, like, no, why? <laughs> Girl, why? Because she, okay, if you if you are an adult woman capable of making your own choices and you want to get it done, mm. fine. But it's still illegal for someone to do it. Like, who does it for you? That's still illegal. That's against the law. Because it's that video that you just did, another mother is going to look at it and be like, yeah, I should I should do this to my daughter. See, like, it's fine. This this adult woman doesn't mind. So it's it's the influence. It's the influence, like, um, when you get cosmetic surgery done, it's your choice, and then it heals. It heals. You don't, you don't suffer the consequences your entire life. And, and if, you, if, you, if you're an adult woman 
and you for some reason believe that you need to you need to you need to get the practice done then then that kind of disputes the whole point of the fact that it's always done to young girls mm-hmm. because you know when you have a fully developed brain you won't want that to be done why was the lady what did she do that what was the the whole point of it doing it she said that this is my culture and the fact that her parents never had her cut she was like i need to be cut it's the same thought but she genuinely believed that she wanted to she she said she wanted to be pure she got cut at 26 in front mm. of everyone and then i think the woman who did it got arrested because it's still against the law you cannot do that this is very harmful the influence that this woman had and there was a video they didn't show it on the website because it's obviously devastating but why would you do this and people were cheering that's the bad part the people were cheering and these people will still think that it's right which negates the whole concept of trying to abolish the practice or eradicate it that's just the fact that it's the influence i think the outrage usually is usually because uh people that um from minority groups that um maybe support fgm feel that fgm is outlawed but fgc is is permitted but there are some nuances like there's some similarities between the two practices so they wonder why is it banned and and then this practice that is somehow similar to the, to fgm is still practiced and, and people support it so i guess that's where the outrage comes in mm-hmm. yeah um we're going to start to wind down and lastly we need to say that um if anyone is in a risky situation that may involve fgm if you suspect that it might be done to you or if you suspect that someone else is at risk or someone has already undergone you can contact the nspcc helpline at 08000 um and if you know someone uh taken abroad because so many people um they take their their daughters abroad and they get it done they bring them back to the UK uh you can contact the foreign and commonwealth office on 02070081500 does anyone have anything to add before we end the episode um yeah i was just going to ask just a quick advice and recommendations for women who mm-hmm. have gone through fgm we just need to um focus on individual survivors and be aware of the potential hesitation of survivors to sp- seek psychological help and um psychological help should also be um person centered mm-hmm. because if you're offering help to people you need to know what a person wants and tailor the help accordingly um when it comes to giving psychological help for survivors there's no one size fits all mm-hmm. so yeah that's very important as well Okay um thank you everyone for listening and please leave us a review to tell us how we're doing thank you